It's nice to see you all. So, um, I don't know about you all, um, but uh, the news out of um, Ukraine has definitely been on my mind. Um, um, and I'm not going to talk um, in any length about it tonight because I don't feel like I have anything useful to say about it. But I want to begin by just acknowledging that this is happening and that it may be weighing on us. Um, I, I, I imagine it is. Um, I remember when Donald Trump was elected in 2016. Um, sorry, Wendy, I didn't mean to remind you of that. But, um, <clears throat> but I remember um, waking up the next morning and then just realizing that I had believed something that I did not realize I believed, which was that history like, was always progressive. You know, like if, I, if you would ask me if I believed that, I would say, of course not. Like history doesn't move in a particular direction. You know, um, but I think I had, you know, I think unconsciously kind of at some level really believe that things just got, you know, with fits and starts better over time. Um, and at Trump's election just reminded me of something I should have known and, and did know at some level, but I think only intellectually, not in my bones, that um, progress is something that we always have to fight for. You know, it's, it's not something that you can ever take for granted. It doesn't just happen. Um, and I think there's that. I think the, the the war in Ukraine is just really bringing back memories of the Cold War, um, and um, and so I think it's just another reminder that there is there's nothing that we can take for granted. Um, and um, so um, anyway, it's just been weighing on my heart. And I think um, just in the way that I think so many things these days had, has made me worried about the direction um, of, of the planet into the future. Um, and so I just want to read a poem that I, a few other Dharma teachers have, have shared with their sanghas over the past few days. Um, and I know Jack Cornfield read this poem um, at a Dharma talk that he gave at Spirit Rock a few days ago. And it's a poem by John Donahue. And um, uh, it's called For Peace. So, um, as the fever of day calms towards twilight, may all that is strained in us come to ease. We pray for all who suffered violence today. May an unexpected serenity surprise them. For those who risk their lives each day for peace, may their hearts glimpse providence at the heart of history. That those who make riches from violence and war might hear in their dreams the cries of the lost that we might see through our fear of each other, a new vision to heal our fatal attraction to aggression. 
that those who enjoy the privilege of peace might not forget their tormented brothers and sisters, that the wolf might lie down with the lamb, that our sores be beaten into plowshares, and no hurt or harm be done anywhere along the holy mountain. Some things only poems can say, you know. And, and so um, tonight, I want just to give us space and time to continue our discussion um, of mindful listening. Um, and um, as a way of easing into that conversation, which I hope tonight is very much a conversation, I will just do the briefest few minute long recap of, I think, some of the key points that I brought up, but really I want um, us to share with each other our own experiences with both uh, the deep pleasure, but also the challenges of listening to one another mindfully, which I think in a, in a real deep way is actually related to so many of the things that are plaguing our world, our inability um, to listen to each other deeply. Um, but uh, we don't need to belabor that, I think, direct connection. I think we just let it lie there implicit. Um, but, um, you know, yeah. So in this, in this space, this virtual space that we have together, I think there is so much collective experience and wisdom about what it is to listen to each other genuinely and also to find ourselves at times unable to or unwilling to. And I think it would be important, it's gonna be wonderful just to share a bit with each other what, what it feels like and what, what, how we've um, sometimes tried to listen more deeply to one another. Um, but um, before we do that, I'd like us to spend a few minutes doing um, a practice called soft belly practice, which I've done from time to time um, with this group, but there's some new people. And even if, um, for those of you who've done it before, I think, you'll agree that it's a wonderful one to, to revisit. Um, so, um, and it's, it's directly connected to, I think the practice of deep listening, because I think one of the um, most important things we can do when we're trying to listen, um, tr truly listen to one another is to stay um, aware of how the body's feeling, how the heart is feeling when we open our mouths, because it's that moment when we open our mouths that when everything tends to go to sleep, right? We lose awareness of, of, of so much. Um, I think there's a really, it's, it's, it's a genuine difficulty. It's, it's not that it's a simple mistake we make. I think there is actually um, something happens when we open our mouths to speak that makes it difficult to access how we're actually feeling internally. Um, I, I actually, I didn't have time to look it up, but um, I'm going to teach some extras from Bessel van der Kolk's book, uh, Body Keeps a Score, uh, in a couple of weeks in my, in my Williams class. And he actually cites research that says actually the part of the brain that is um, focused on interproprioception, feeling of internal bodily states, 
is actually like quite far from the part of the brain that is used when we articulate our, our thoughts and emotions to other people. So, um, so it actually takes a lot of practice to try to keep both parts of ourselves active when we're listening. Um, so, um, but I, I know of no better practice uh, for tuning into how, you know, whether we're, we're actually speaking from the heart or whether we're just speaking from the head, then soft belly practice. Um, I think I'm gonna read just a few lines that Stephen Levine wrote about soft belly practice. But one of the first things he says is I think one of the most important that the belly is a beautiful and powerful diagnostic instrument. If we can just stay tuned into how the belly is feeling, not just when we're talking, but when we're doing anything or when we're not doing anything, um, already, I think we're uh, well on the way to living in a more awake um, and compassionate way. Um, so uh, I'm going to just read um, a, a, a you know short passage by Stephen Levine, um, which I've loosely loosely adapted, but um, about soft belly practice. Uh, and, and for those of you who have never done it before, it'll give you a sense of what we're about to do. Cause you're probably like wondering what the hell is soft belly practice? Like, what does that even mean? Um, uh, so, and then, and then we'll do it for a bit and then we'll talk. So, um, I'll kind of, a thing that you can't do in an actual Zendo, but you can do on zoom. I'm going to screen share, um, this while I read it. So hold on a second. Wait a second. Yes. yes, there we go. Okay, here we go. All right. The belly is an extraordinary diagnostic instrument. Observing the relative softness or hardness of the belly can provide moment to moment insight into the state of our minds and our hearts. When we close our hearts to ourselves or others, when we close our minds, that manifests as tension in the belly. The more attuned we are to the belly, the sooner we can discover if we are holding in the mind or opening into the heart. Trying effort tightens the belly. Trying also stimulates judgment. Hard belly is often judging belly. Even trying to understand what I'm reading right now, your belly may tighten. So don't try only to understand. Enter the process. In the spaciousness of soft belly, simply allow understanding to arise all by itself. Western culture teaches us to harden, flatten the belly, to hide its fullness, its roundness, its spaciousness. And so we often cinch our belts tight. Instead, try softening the belly, soften around the tension we so often carry in the belly so that eventually we may let that tension and hardness go. The practice, inhale into the belly, feeling the belly soften 
to receive the breath. And visualize your exhalation going out through the center of your chest, through where your literal and figurative heart is located. Softening as you breathe in, softening as you breathe out. As the belly softens, you'll find more room in your body for healing, for being, and for liberation. The softer the belly, the greater our capacity to stay present when we experience difficult, heavy mental states, especially important, I add as an aside, when we're having challenging conversations. Softening our belly makes it more possible to be with and to investigate the body patterning of tension that accompanies such heavy states. Soft belly allows for exploration without getting drawn into their familiar seductive thought patterns by enabling us to stay in the experience of the body rather than be drawn into the head, into thought. The importance of softening, the benefits of soft belly cannot be overstated. So the practice is very simple. We're just gonna bring our awareness to the belly and soften. Um, so please join me and get in a comfortable position. And begin by just taking a few deep breaths, long inhalations through the nose. And exhale slowly through your slightly open mouth. Take a few more deep breaths in this way, in through the nose and out through your slightly open mouth, nice and slow and deep each way in and out. Now let your breath come and go at its own rhythm. Let your mouth close, let your breath move in and out through the nose. If you notice any impulse to control or manipulate the breath, try to let the breath just breathe itself. Try to release the breath. Trust that the breath will take care of itself. And before we move our awareness into the belly, let's just Begin by feeling the contact that our body is making with the earth and the seat beneath us.
Feel the sensations produced by the contact between your body and whatever is supporting its weight. In particular, feel the sensations in your bottom, your buttocks, end of a long day, we may be carrying some residual tension in the glutes. And if you notice that you are, just invite that tension, invite those muscles to let go, to soften. to let the weight of your body be supported, held by your seat. Now let your awareness move up into your lower back. And just begin by feeling how the lower back feels. Any tension or holding that might be there, any aches or discomforts. And when the lower back is soft and pliant, we can feel the breath expanding there, not just in the belly and the chest, but even in the lower back. Can you feel your breath in your lower back? Invite the lower back to soften, soften. so that the breath finds room there. Now, please circle your awareness around to the front side of your body and let it gently move into the belly. And to begin, just notice without trying to do anything at all, just notice how the belly feels. Notice where there may be tension and what that tension feels like. Notice if there's any movement in the muscles and the tissue of the belly as you breathe in and out. And at first there may not be, 
or not much, and that's okay. Just let it be as it is, just noticing. And of course, there are so many other kinds of sensations, some with an emotional charge that you might feel swirling in your belly area. Let your awareness receive it all with curiosity, the soft, receptive, kind of attention. And what I'd like you to start doing, and just very, very gradually, very gently, is to invite the belly to soften. so that there is room in the belly for the breath. So there is room in the belly for all the sensations you feel there. You're not definitely not trying to force the breath into the belly. This is not an effortful practice. In fact, invite the belly to give up all effort and just to soften into the moment. This is the practice of soft belly. Just be aware of how the belly feels and gently invite the belly to soften. And there will be areas of tension that won't soften, that will continue to hold tight. Just let your awareness soften around those areas. You can't force something to relax. You can't force something to let go. Just make space in your awareness for those areas that are tight, softening your awareness around them, letting them be.
you may be tempted at different moments to bring some extra effort to this practice to try to make something happen. And you'll probably notice that the belly tightens up a bit as you exert effort. Just notice that connection between trying and tension. And then remember to soften and to give up striving and relax into the moment. As the belly softens, different kinds of emotions and feelings may arise, some of which may be uncomfortable, unpleasant. The belly holds a lot, and as it softens, some of that stuff may emerge. This is all good, but can be challenging to feel. Soften your awareness around these areas, these sensations that might feel difficult. Create space for them. Regard them with compassion and care.
Now what I'd like everyone to do is to place your hand over the center of your chest, the breastbone, sternum area, your heart. Place your hand gently over this area as if to support your heart, to hold it with great tenderness. And now please begin to visualize your breath entering your body through the center of your chest, directly into your heart. Visualize an opening there in the center of the chest through which you can draw in air and feel it enter your body. You might even breathe in a little bit more slowly and a little bit more deeply than usual. Filling the heart with oxygen. And as you continue breathing in this way, I'd like you to bring to mind someone for whom you feel deep love and gratitude. And silently in your mind, say to this person who you've brought to mind, thank you for being. And we'll just spend another minute or so breathing into the heart in this way. If you like, you can lower your hand or if you like the feeling of having it there, please keep your hand over your heart, whichever you prefer. And as you breathe into the heart space like this, attend to the sensations that you feel in the center of the chest as you breathe in and out. Feel the texture of the breath.
And before we end this meditation session, I invite you to bring to mind the other people who are here on this call with us. And just share in the feeling of gratitude for this community, this unlikely community that we have formed over the past couple of years. I'm grateful for you all. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So I'd love us to have a conversation about listening to one another. Um, Yeah, I think in a way, in my introductory remarks, I, I said the thing that I really want to say, which is the importance of staying in the body, aware of the body, how it's feeling as we're uh, in conversation with someone else. Um, and then of course, to notice all the ways in which the mind will carry us away even during a conversation, not just in the form of distraction, of course, that, but even in the ways they'll pull us away into wanting to be seen a certain way, or wanting to make a certain kind of impression on someone else, um, wanting to, you know, fix someone else, wanting to, you know, turning the conversation into this kind of activity where we're trying to, even if in well-meaning ways, manipulate the other person, right? Manipulate how they feel or manipulate how they see us. Um, all of which just takes us away from being with the person, just, just that kind of pure presence. Mm -hmm. I think um, having an awareness of how the belly is feeling, how the body is feeling is, I think, one of the, the most powerful ways to counteract the tendency of the mind to, um, to pull us, you know, out of the moment that we're sharing with someone. Um, and then all the things that we practice all the time when we meditate can become useful and relevant um, in that conversation, noticing the tendency to um, project in the future, um, imagine how the other person is seeing us, all these things, right? Um, uh, but there's so many other dimensions to conversation and deep listening. And, and I just, um, so, who wants to start us off? Just share, it could be a challenge, like, um, Rob. Bernie, I've been thinking about this since last week and I've come to the realization that um, I think in part because I'm a fairly glib conversationalist and in part really adept at um, people-pleasing that 
nearly all the time when I think I'm in conversation, I'm basically just in conversation with myself. Um, a lot of what you've talked about in terms of preparing while well, semi-listening to someone else, what I'm going to say next. Um, and, and part of that has to do with what you're talking about, you know, how, you know, how, think about how I'm, I'm going to be, you know, perceived and, and trying to arrange things accordingly. But also, I just think that um, bits and pieces of what someone else is trying to say in my direction spark so much other conveyable material uh, that, of course, then I have to share that really, if, if I'm able to think a little bit more about it or just observe it, which I've been able to do a little bit more recently, the whole thing seems like one big sort of circular interior dialogue. You know, I barely make my way out um, to where the to where there might be someone else who has something to say. So. Uh, I, I have yet to find a willing partner in the exercise, probably because they know what they're in for. But uh, I really, really appreciated the opportunity just to, for once, begin to think what actually happens when I go about my unconsidered way of, of, uh, of conversing. So thanks. No, thank you, Rob. Also, it's like you're being a little hard on yourself. I mean, <laughs> it's... Um, it's also amazing that you're just like aware of all this, right? Um, this is like, this is, and, um, but something that really resonated, Rob, when you were speaking is I think um, why this feels so important to me is that you can end up having so many of those really smooth, polished kinds of conversations that, you know, where there's nothing that feels like there's friction, no reason to feel bad about them. And yet, feel like there's just something missing, right? At like at the end of a day, you can feel like, how much real contact did I make with the people I spoke to? You know, and that's that's the thing that really I think motivates me. It's there's a kind of self-interest, like you just get more meaning out of, of, of these interactions when um you're there and um really there. Yeah. This this alone there's a loneliness that can come from being so so polished and I have that same skill you know it's like and I know it can be tempting to fall back on it yeah it's a lot of work yeah it's, it can be exhausting too yeah Hi, Carrie. Hi. Um, I had almost the opposite happen in my head as you were taking us through this exercise. And that was, I was really caught up in a, in a conversation and a conflict that I had had yesterday with someone who just wouldn't see it my way. <laughs> and and um, uh, the sense of powerlessness and, um, oh, he's so stubborn. Of course, I am too. But, um, you know, I'm really still sort of stuck in the feelings that arose out of that. And uh, 
I, I, I don't exactly know what to do with it, but something you said during the meditation actually helped me release it. And that was um, to feel compassion for both him and me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's uh, helpful somewhat, but. By the way, um, I don't know if you've heard me recommend this book before, but um, Oren J. Sofer has this book called Say What You Mean. It's a very interesting book. Um, he's a mindfulness practitioner who also is a, um, a student of nonviolent communication. You know, um, and um, it's a book that integrates mindfulness practice and nonviolent communication. And it's just chock full of really wonderful ways of dealing with conflict you know um so i think i think you'd find it fascinating yeah and 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 just practically useful yeah hey thanks i want to thank you bernie for sharing that link um with tiknot han's conversation interview with oprah about mindful listening this week um, I, I have been listening to the whole episode over and over again and am so impressed by what he said, not only about mindful listening, but about the whole world, how we, we deal with everybody. And um, I'm also still reading the book, Living Buddha, Living Christ. And there's one scene in there where he meets some children and... Um, um, some I forget what exactly he said to them, but I guess two of them were not Buddhists, two were Christians, and he was doing, I think, the cross or singing a song. At any rate, he was communicating without even words at that mm-hmm. point, and um, I, I've done a lot of work on mindful listening this week, and especially through him and your suggestion of listening to him. Thank you. Thanks, Wendy. I'm so glad. Yeah. Um, hi. Hi. Um, hi, Sylvia. Um, um, I was thinking uh, it is hard to um, listen with a, an open mind. And it is hard to speak with an open mind. And what I've, I've always thought that the way you get your point across is by being forceful and emphatic and logical and confident. But I'm seeing that there's another way to communicate. Uh, and that's with... Um, Uh, more of a soft word and by saying something in a non-intrusive, non, um, I don't want to use, it's not aggressive, but non, like not a declaration, but a possibility. And what I found is that sometimes when you say things with more tentativeness, um, somehow it's listened to more easily and, and then, and I just only now, once in a while, I get, I get a feedback that what I said, that I didn't think I said with any kind of 
conviction or convincing uh, quality was heard. And it's like my word is going in deeper when I do it with less force. Mm. And that's, that's, revel- that's a big revelation to me. So then I don't have to be such a hard person. I can be more, uh, just be like a softer, say it in a soft way. Um, and maybe it's heard better because I think then you're not, um, you're not uh, attacking that other person or saying that's the right way. But it's not, it doesn't feel, it's, a, it's still a work in progress. I don't know if I can always do this, but I feel like um, I, I, I am seeing glimpses that speaking this way is heard by the person who's wanting to listen. And um, so it's not, all, it's not only deep listening, it's mm-hmm. deep speaking or, you know, so it's going in and out. Um, yeah. And it's a, a little more uh, vague, scary, unformed, but then it can be accepted that way more mm-hmm. easily in a way, mm-hmm. not like a bullet. Mm-hmm. It's more mm-hmm. um, like an aura, I'm thinking. Mm. thank you yeah that's really interesting sylvia thank you and i it's definitely i mean i think for all of us a work in progress <laughs> yeah um my goodness yeah no yeah thank you mary you're muted by the way you're muted yeah Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> thank you, Sylvia and Bob. Rob? Yes. <laughs> um, because you both brought up some, we're almost taught to be conversational in that way. Um, you know, if you speak forcefully and with clarity, people will listen. You know, we're told those things. And, or if, we, if we're very agile in our speech, we're admired. But one of the things I was hearing tonight with you, Bernie, is how relational all of this is. It's like, if I make that inner experience of spaciousness in myself, all that, that slows me down in the first place. <laughs> and then, so I was thinking about that allows for some pauses in the conversation. But part of that, um, making that inner spaciousness is kind of, is really has to do with self-love. It's an interesting piece. So as the more I accept whoever I am in my stumbling, bumbling way, (laughs) then I can um, allow the other person into the conversation. It's, so it's, um, it's a funny kind of what occurrence. Um, and I love when you said, Sylvia, about more of an ease with, it becomes an ease with myself, that softening that you were talking about of the belly. Maybe that gets transferred to the other person too. 
<laughs> so that a spaciousness opens up in them. So when we're speaking, we're really searching for what this conversation is about. And just some thoughts. I think those are really beautiful, powerful thoughts. Mary, were you here last week when I read the passage from Stephen Levine about the sick? Oh, I was. Yeah, um, I, it, I was. I was reminded of you know, like the way she put it. Like there was because those people visiting me had more room for their own pain. They had room for mine, uh, right? And I think when we flinch from our own inner stuff, our pain, uh -huh. right? That even if we don't do it overtly, I think we, we communicate that to the other person. There's a feeling they get that we don't have quite, like you said, the self-love, the room for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think it comes across. I, I, I feel that, yeah. And I think you're totally right. When we have room for ourselves and all our quirks and all our foibles, right? <laughs> we have room for others, yeah. Mm -hmm. And people can feel that, yeah. Yeah. That's the big piece of all of this. It's it, there's a lot happening in our individual in our bodies, but we're also communicating that back and forth with the other. Yeah, yeah. There's a book called Coming to Our Senses. Just I could not remember the author. It's an older book, and he talked about people being at a dinner table, and a very fluid conversation and often people are out talking one another and if a pause occurs it's like somebody else has to jump in quickly it's like people can't sit there and be with themselves for a bit before they go forward with the conversation <laughs> yeah I just had a quick question, Bernie. Could you repeat the name of that book that you mentioned? I'd like to get that. Oh, yeah. Say What You Mean. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah. So for S-O-F-E-R is... Okay, thank is you. Oh, thanks a lot. Mary, that um, last bit you just said about the idea of needing to move forward in a conversation makes me think about just sort of this conceptualization of a conversation as something that should go somewhere. Um, and it makes me think about another sort of mindful listening exercise that I've done, which is repeated questioning, where you ask someone a question like, how are you? And they respond, you set a timer for like five to 10 minutes, they respond, and then you say, thank you how are you? And you just do it over and over and over. And it's fascinating to do um, when you're answering, you really have to kind of dig deep, but it, um, it makes you realize that there's not necessarily one true answer, right? Um, mm -hmm. And the first thing you say isn't necessarily the most true or the best. And yet so often in a conversation, when we ask a question, it's like, oh, great, check. Like, that makes me think of this or on to the next thing, but to really like dwell in a question, I think is, um, yeah, sort of a beautiful um, aspect of mindful listening. 
beautiful. <laughs> Hi, Andre. Um, hello, all. Hello, Sangha, dear Sangha. Um, <laughs> um, I'm also doing some mindful listening to my own heart, which is beating. So I know I have something that I would like to share. Um, and when I when I think of mindful listening, of course, there are um, moments when it's beautiful, and there's some wonderful connection. But my mind always goes to like my conversations with my dad. Um, which, <laughs> oh my God. Um, so many disagreements. Uh, we we do not see eye to eye. Our communication styles sometimes clash. Um, but I'm also very grateful for him. I think he's one of my greatest like spiritual teachers in a way because <laughs> he makes me practice so much. Um, very wonderful person. Um, but the times on mindful listen and and this is of course still like a, a work in progress for me is that. I had to learn to feel safe enough when listening to him, when he would share viewpoints that I, I truly in my bones would like would start making me shake. Um, and, and it became like this thing where it's like, I can't let him leave the table or walk away still believing this thing or thinking this way that somehow like my, it, like, myself would be like bashed um like i i couldn't stand it like it was it was hurtful for me to let him walk away continuing the way he was and i think that there's certainly there's like self-love and spaciousness and another element that has been really pivotal for me is this like sort of solidity mm. that my my dad can think this way and i will be okay um like i will not crumble um he has thought this way and you will likely continue to think this way for at least the near future and i'm going to be okay and 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 that in itself was really tough but i remember there was there was one conversation where again this dynamic popped up my dad started a, a sort of thought that i corely disagreed with um, and I was like, I'm going to be okay. He can say this and this will not, like, this does not shake up my values. This will not change my values. Um, and it was like this shining moment where I could just sit and be like, I'm listening. And, and, and this is not exactly words that I read, but like, darling, there you are. And darling, here's how you are. Um, and it's weird that I call my dad darling, but you know, it's, it's sort of like language that Tegna Han will also use saying like, darling, I'm darling, I'm here for you. But it's like, darling, there you are. And darling, here you are. This is, here's, here's how you are right now. And to just, to, to enjoy taking someone in, to enjoy beholding someone, even as they're saying something that I really, really, uh, has struggled to listen to. Um, and like even now I'm shaking because like remembering those conversations it's very emotionally racking for me. Um, but when I was able to have that conversation with him, it was like, may every tough conversation be this way. Um, but yes, um, really like there's soft belly practice, but it also like it's 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 really tough. Like the the stomach just clenches, like the whole body shakes for me, um, even as I'm trying to listen.
Thank you. Thank you, Audrey, for sharing that. It's so deep, right? Just this, the practice of listening. I mean, yeah, it's, um, hmm. It's 8.30, so perhaps we could sit for a minute and then we'll call it a night, okay? Um, thank you so much, everyone, for, for being here and, and sharing. Um, very, truly grateful for you all, so. Okay, everyone. Take care. Good night. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Bernie. Thank, Thank you. you, Bernie. Thank you all. Wonderful. Thank